In recent days, I've been thinking increasingly about the subject that is named as the sermon title, loneliness. Loneliness seems to be a growing subject, not just in the field of psychology and pastoral care, but actually in the medical field. In the current situation, loneliness has been described as epidemic. It's even been noted that loneliness is a crisis as serious as opioid addiction, as veteran suicides. Over the past decade, a body of data has emerged um, reporting that loneliness is being linked to heart disease and type 2 diabetes and cancer and almost every other illness that's studied. More and more people are confessing that they are chronically lonely. And this has long been a concern among elderly people. Perhaps you remember that song by John Prine. John Prine's song goes like this. Old trees just grow stronger. Old rivers run wilder every day. Old people just grow lonesome. And the song urges us to be compassionate and be caring and be attentive and say hello in there, as John Prine puts it. But it's not just the elderly who are experiencing loneliness. Loneliness has become a common syndrome uh, across uh, economic, across uh, all people in society, a chronic challenge for all. In a recent article in the Harvard Business Review, the former Surgeon General wrote of seeing, quote, firsthand how loneliness affected people of all ages and socioeconomic backgrounds across the country, from middle and high school students in urban and rural areas who turned to violence, to drugs, and gangs to ease the pain of loneliness, to factory workers and doctors and small business owners and teachers who describe feeling alone in their work. And just as all who wander are not lost, all who are alone are not lonely, loneliness, you know this, involves low-quality relationships or inadequate companionship. Here's how one person describes it. In our maternity wards, we give birth among strangers. In hospice centers, we die among strangers. On the journey in between, we sit beside strangers on buses, airplanes, mute and watchful. And often in our neighborhoods, we remain detached from our neighbors. Yet all through life, we are created for, we are longing for connections with others. Some say this very epidemic in these days is largely an affliction of our own collective creation by the way we have made communication, by the way we have made access to services, by the way we have made everything so convenient. Through our computers and our touchscreens and our phones, we have ironically created the foundation of dislocation and isolation. We can be so connected electronically that it's possible to have very few real personal relationships. So loneliness. We all know people, and perhaps people too well, who deal with this challenge of loneliness on a daily basis. 
Our scripture passages today um, speak about an important message, a word of solace, a word of encouragement, and they want to, both of them, redirect us in this epidemic of loneliness. Those words from 1 John 4 are some of the most poetic and powerful in all of Scripture. Beloved, let us love one another because love is from God. By this we know that we abide in Him and He in us. And then this from the Gospel of John from chapter 15. Listen, I am the true vine and my Father is the vine grower. He removes every branch in me that bears no fruit. Every branch that bears fruit, he prunes to make it bear more fruit. You have already been cleansed by the word that I have spoken to you. Abide in me as I abide in you. Just as the branch cannot bear fruit by itself unless it abides in the vine, neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. Those who abide in me and I in them bear much fruit because apart from me you can do nothing. Whoever does not abide in me is thrown away like a branch and withers. Such branches are gathered, thrown into the fire and burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask for whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this that you bear much fruit and become my disciples. And this is my commandment, that you love one another as I have loved you. This is the word of the Lord. Some of you good Bible students in this space today know that in the gospel according to John, Jesus makes a number of statements that start with, I am. He says, I am the bread of life. He says, I am the good shepherd. He says, I am the light of the world. And in the Gospel of John, there are seven of these statements. And this one, I am the vine, is the seventh one. Bible scholar and teacher Dale Bruner translates this verse this way. I, I am the real root of the matter, and my father is the orchardist. Bruner says that because most of us live surrounded by trees more than vines, we live in Richmond, not Napa Valley, right? Trees more than vines, he prefers this language. What root and trunk are to trees, Jesus is to human life. He says, I, I am the root of the matter. So the double I here in this translation reflects what's literally in the Greek, which gives great emphasis to Jesus saying, I, I am. And then Bruner says, all of us are looking always for the root of the matter. What is it that's going to give us life? What should we give our energy to? What warrants our time, talents, and money? What deserves our loyalty? What deserves our affection? What's the lens through which we should see everything? What should our focus be? What's the root of the matter? And in this final I am saying in the Gospel of John, Jesus puts it right there one more time with emphasis. I, I am the root of the matter, says Jesus. 
Some of you have heard the name Brene Brown. Brene Brown is a person we've mentioned before in this space. Uh, She's a psychologist and a writer. This is how Brene Brown sums it up. There are no guarantees in the arena. We will struggle. We will fail. There will be darkness. But if we are clear about the values that guide us in our efforts to show up and be seen, we will always be able to find the light. We will know what it means to live brave. End quote. Jesus says, I, I am the root of the matter. We don't just live. We live best connected to Jesus and doing the things that Jesus cares most about. We don't just get by day by day. We root our lives in the root of the matter. That's how we find life, according to Jesus. Now I want to jump to verse 4 in this passage and this word abide. Abide. That's prevalent in our first lesson. We heard it, abide in me and I abide in you. Abide's a nice word. And we're going to sing a nice hymn about this word in just a minute. But when was the last time you used that word? It may be a pretty word, but its import and its depth can easily be missed. So again, Dale Bruner, theologian, teacher, translator, offers a better translation of the Greek word here. Make your home in Jesus. Make your home with me. Jesus says. Jesus invites us to live fully with him. That's the simplest translation of this passage, the best meaning. I'm the true vine, the root of the matter. Make your home with me. Think of that honor. Think of that privilege. Jesus, the Son of God, asking us, begging us, urging us, expecting of us to make our home with him and quite unbelievably he says as I am making my home with you as I have already made my home with you really Jesus is not just a passive inviter awaiting our best move to make our home with him he's taking the initiative and says as I've made my home with you lots of Christians get this backwards and put all the emphasis on us And in this passage, it's really clear Jesus is the one taking the initiative, asking us, I'm the root of the matter, making my home with you, make your home with me. Jesus has so much turned life, his life, his love toward us in calling us, in claiming us in the waters of baptism, in all things. And we would be so smart, so wise, so kind, so helped to Make our home in Him. Abide in Him. Some of you know that um, my nephew and his husband uh, own and operate a very fantastic bakery in Charlottesville, a place that has become a destination, a place that's become a nice place for breakfast and lunch. These two guys moved from New York City where they were chefs back home to Charlottesville uh, to raise their family and they opened Marie Bette Cafe in Charlottesville named for their two adopted daughters. Ginger and I go there as often as we can. We go there to see family sometimes but we mostly go there to 
enjoy the good food at their bakery and almost always when we go we make a trip into the kitchen to see our nephew Patrick the kitchen is full of busy bakers making various breads making all kinds of wonderful treats the kitchen is also stocked with tremendous kneading machines This is the key to making uh, wonderful bread. Kneading machines are needed to blend items so thoroughly that the ingredients can no longer be distinguished. Kneading machines are crucial to cranking out big, good, delicious bakery items. And Jesus' emphasis about making a home in and with and abiding Another word that correlates is kneading, K-N-E-A-D-I-N-G, closely akin to all those words. We are to knead our lives into Jesus' life, make a home in his life as he's made a home in us, abide in him as he abides in us. This is about love. It's about a thoroughness. It's about losing our lives and his love. That's far different from saying, uh, I grew up in this church. That's far different than showing up and singing the hymn or not singing the hymn. It's about working to have our lives needed together with Jesus' life. This is what Jesus hopes for us. Lives linked, made a home in, him in us, all together, needed together. This is what Jesus keeps urging. Now, how do we do this? How does it happen? Needing, making a home with, abiding. How does it actually work? Having lives fully needed in God's love. It turns out, Jesus has been showing this all through the Gospel of John this abiding, this making a home with, this needing, ever since he walked on the scene in John 1. In the first chapter of John, with Jesus' first encounter with some of the disciples, they sensed that something was special about this person. So allured to him, they asked Jesus, Jesus, where are you making your home? And Jesus said, come and see. Where are you making your home? Same word as ours today. And Jesus says, come and see. And the verse continues, they made their home with him that day and it was about four o'clock in the afternoon. Disciples make their home with Jesus by being open to who he is, by being inquisitive of what he's saying. Disciples make their home with Jesus as they listen and learn, as we listen and learn. They had a desire to be with Jesus. Where are you staying? Come and see. And they went and they made their home with Jesus, staying with him, open to listening and learning. And as it turns out, they kept on with him and they kept staying with him and they kept listening to him. And they kept growing and they kept becoming needing, needing, abiding, making their home in his life. And we do this same thing as we come to this place, this space, and as we sing and as we pray and as we link our lives together and as we listen to God's word and as we grow in God's ways. We do this as we Engage in sincere fellowship and Bible conversations and 
confessions about where we've seen God at work and confessions of our doubts, honest conversation that helps us grow in faith. It's about faith and fellowship and community and it leads to lives that are needed together in God's life. And the gospel story continues in John and Jesus in chapter four confronts a Samaritan woman at the well. Some of you remember this and she's so transfixed by everything that Jesus says to her and about her that she runs off and tells her Samaritan friends all about Jesus. And then as the chapter continues in chapter Uh, four around verse 40 the Samaritans come out to Jesus because of all the woman had told them and they asked him to make a home with them same word Jesus stayed with them for two days and they listened and they learned see interest in Jesus and inquisitiveness and openness about who he is and what he brings wisdom Grace, forgiveness, life, this changes your life, changes our lives. And then in chapter 6, we see others making a home in Jesus, abiding and realizing he's the root of the matter, and they gathered at the table, and they shared a meal, and their eyes are opened, and their hearts are changed, and that's what happens as we gather at this table and then in chapter 8 and chapter 10 and chapter 15 Jesus tells that as disciples if they continue on if we continue on making their home in him needing their lives to his life focusing on his way they will really become his disciples and it's not just what you say it's what you do I will live in you and you will live in me And your daily life will be for the healing of the world. Your daily life will be for the healing of the world. So welcome strangers and reach out to outcasts and extend hospitality to those who need it the most and work for help and work for hope and work for healing and do justice wherever you find yourself. Those who abide in me and I in them will bear much fruit, it says. Those who abide in me and I in them will bear fruit. And most of all, as the passage says, love one another. In other words, out of the deep resources of God's love, we love one another. Jesus is the vine. We're the branches. We reach out on behalf of Jesus in the world. We connect. We care. We open our hearts We pray, we sing, we study, we talk, we grow, and then we extend it to the world. Love one another and spread the love wherever you go. And we do it on these streets in Richmond and throughout the world. We try to. This is a calling. This is how it looks, the whole of Gospel of John. So how does this relate to loneliness? How does it? Loneliness has to do with the absence of someone at some basic level. Loneliness has to do with a yearning for deeper connections, deeper relationship. And those words from Augustine are buried deep in my memory. You probably know this too. Augustine says, Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and our hearts are restless till they rest in thee. 
Thou hast made us for thyself, O God, and our hearts are restless until they rest in thee. No matter our achievements, no matter how much money we have, no matter power, no matter success in the world's eyes, none of that. Jesus says, I, I am the root of the matter. I have made a home in you. Make your home with me. Then we'll have life. Life. Real life. Abundant life. This is what God has always intended for all of us. Be open to God's love. Be open to God's presence. Be connected to God's people. In fellowship. Build community. Gather around the Lord's table. Keep reading the Bible. Keep talking. Keep looking for God. Be inquisitive. And invite others. And welcome everyone. These things save your life. They're God's gifts to us. All of this. Faith and fellowship and community and compassion. A place to belong. A place from which we go forth in the world to serve. These things save your life. They are the ways that God makes a home in us also. And we make a home in God. And then Jesus says, love one another as I've loved you. Those who abide in God, God abides in them. It's all about God and love and God and love. All of this is God's answer to loneliness, I think. God has come among us. We are not alone and we're never on our own. That's the promise. God makes his home in our midst. And as we open our hearts and as we seek to grow in faith and build community and love and as we come together and as we gather around the table and as we spread love in the world, as we do justice and love kindness and walk humbly with God from this place to the far corners of the world, that's how God works in us, for us. Those who abide in God God abides in them. Those who abide in God love and love abides in them. Friends, may it be so. May it be so. Alleluia. Amen. Let us pray. Your love transforms all things, O God, all things. We seek to be transformed and we seek to be transformers, sharing your love in the world following Jesus. Amen.